of pursuing his heart, pursuing his beauty, being students of his ways. I just have a few things on my heart to share that really are, are that in the essence. To stoke the fuel of worship is to live a life of praise, to live a life where our eyes are shifted from the world we uh, are just so present to into becoming more present to His world and His reality, His glory, His wonder over the things that hit us in the face every day of the week. You know, I love social media, but I also hate it because there's a sense in which I just keep getting drawn back into the fear of missing out or the, or the, um, stuff here. Or, the, or, or seeing what everyone else is doing and thinking that I've, I'm behind in life or my eyes get focused on, oh, of, of this thing that comes in front of me that I want to buy or something. And, and I, we can so easily have eyes that are, are on things that are carnal for the here and now. When Jesus actually, he, he actually encouraged us. I'm not sure if it's an encouragement. He challenged us to take up our cross and follow him. That to live a Christ-like way is actually to live a life that's different to the world around us. So I feel challenged that my eyes wouldn't just be on the here and now. My eyes wouldn't just be on those things that are around me, but my eyes would be on eternal things. That I would chase after Him, seek after Him. And I know that as we do that, as we, we live a life where our eyes are shifted upon Him, our worship becomes incense, it becomes a fire, it becomes a flame of love towards the Lord. So I, I remind us of that challenge, of my challenge, of when I go, go to these other things that I can put before my eyes, when there's one thing that actually can change everything in our lives. And I know I can go to places of fear, places of insecurity when I put things in front of my eyes or I compare myself to others. Does anyone else do that in the world? <laughs> and, and my eyes get shifted from the one who has called me. It's like Isaiah 61. He's anointed me. He's called me. And so if I get my eyes on someone else's, oh, aren't they doing a great thing? Aren't they doing a great thing? And oh, I wish I could sing like that person. Or I wish I could record an album like that person. Or I wish I had a job like that person. Or I wish I could have an amazing car and caravan and boat or whatever it is in your life like that person. Suddenly, everything shifts in our life from a place of heavenly perspective to a place of the here and now. When we're supposed to live in the rich reality of heaven and earth. This rich reality where our eyes are fixed to the one. But yet we live with His presence pouring out in the here and now. And so when I grab, you know, like I've got a camper van. We were up in Bright recently, so I, I said, and that's not too far from here. And sort of, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I love getting out in, in nature and, and uh, you know, I, I love having my caravan and a, and, a, and a good car to tow it. But when I know when my desire is in that thing, my heart goes there too. And the Lord, the Lord is challenging me is how, how I can live a rich life of where my eyes are fixed on Him. That is going to be the fuel of worship. That's going to be the fuel of worship that, that holds this community around one thing that matters. Because I want to, I want to, I guess, echo what you already know, is that relationships get tough sometimes. There's people in the room even where it's like you're not sure how to speak to one another. But actually, this is what actually calls us to be one, to be His body, to be His bride. 
when we choose to lay down our lives for one another, where we lay down offenses, where we draw around the Him as being the one thing that we all agree on, <laughs> even if we disagree on a whole bunch of other things, even if we have those things of relationships that, that, where there's been pressure and pain. I see the Lord drawing us around His presence, drawing us around His beauty, and that's the thing we all agree on. That's the thing that bind our hearts together. And suddenly those things that were offenses, those things that were pains in our life begin to fade away because the one thing of His wonder and His beauty and the glory of who He is, the one who spoke the earth into being is calling us into attention, calling us into connection. We're just like in the garden, we get to walk with the one. He said, let there be light. And anything that, 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 um, anything that damages that relationship of connection with Him becomes our enemy. I don't want this thing in my life because it's actually, it's actually damaging this connection which I value. It's not that God is fragile, but that He so desires to, for me to be in union and relationship and to honor His presence. Bill Johnson talks about it like um, having a, a dove on your shoulder. How would you walk around with a dove on your shoulder? What type of life? How would we live in such a way where we, where we actually host His presence beautifully? To honor Him and have our eyes fixed on Him. Augustine said, God created us for relationship with Him. And our hearts are restless until we find our rest in God. There's so many things that are only going to frustrate and dissatisfy our lives. But as we see Him, there is the richest of satisfaction. It is what Phoebe shared before, that taste and see that the Lord is good. It's what you declared as you came up and praised and you shared to say, God did it for me. He is good. And that praise, it reorients our focus towards Him. Praise uh, is the practice of declaring and confessing His nature, His works, and His glory. Ministering to Him and magnifying His name in the earth. As we pour out our praise, we come into His presence. The Bible actually says that, that the praise is the gateway, the entry place, the place that helps us step into His courts, the place, His lounge room, the place that He abides is a place of praise. So we know that in situations that where we're feeling uh, the anxiety come in, panic attacks come in, as we begin to lift the song of praise, what happens is uh, uh, there's a change of rulership in the atmosphere. It goes from an atmosphere where the, the, the atmosphere is ruled by, by um, en the enemy that we've empowered, which is fear, anxiety, um, although any of those things. And, and when we begin to praise, what happens is we reinstate the right rule of God in our life. We empower Him and say, you are the Lord of my life. Because His rule never changed. He is eternally God. He is eternally powerful. He is eternally present. So it's not that His presence changes, because we, we suddenly become present to Him. We become present to the God who was always there as we praise Him. We come into His courts. Our praise is inhabited by God Himself. So if that is, if that is as the Bible says, and as we see it true in people's lives, like, praise should be the first thing that comes on our lips, right? Right? <laughs> 
your praise will ever be on my lips. As we praise, we see the rule established on earth and his presence made manifest. So let's take a look at some amazing moments in Scripture where we see how thanksgiving and praise actually open up our hearts to encounter God. Who wants to encounter more of God? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm heading into 2 Chronicles 5 if you want to join me. Does anyone still bring a paper Bible or are you all digital people in the room? Probably digitals. <laughs> That's right. So it says in 2 Chronicles, I want you to use your listening ears, get right into this, have a good listen to this passage, it's amazing. The choir and trumpets made one voice of praise and thanks to God. Orchestra and choir in perfect harmony, singing and playing praise to God. Yes, God is good. His loyal love goes on forever. Then a billowing cloud, everyone say billowing cloud. Wow. A billowing cloud filled the temple of God. The priests couldn't even carry out the duties because of the cloud. The cloud, the glory of God that filled the temple of God. So here we read that as many voices are raised, there's all these instruments and trumpets and the sound of praise is being heard. We see God's glory in such a remarkable way. And this is in an inferior covenant. This is in the old covenant, right? This is when there was still separation. But we live in a time when there is no separation, where we stand in union and friendship with God. We stand face to face with Him. Okay, so we, we live in that covenant, but they lived in, in the one where there was separation. And even there, it says that, the, the, that there was a billowing cloud of te- of the, of, in the temple that filled the temple with glory. How amazing is that? They saw a literal cloud filling the temple that the priests could not do, um, so the priests could not do their duties. The weight of glory was heavy. Heavy. Have you ever experienced that, that tangible connection with who God is that feels weighty? Yeah? I have. It, it marks your life. I, for me, obviously, my parents. Um, um, amazing people. And I just remember the sense, like my parents walking around the house singing and praying in tongues. And I remember walking in on my dad's office and he's on his knees underneath the, his desk, praying and interceding and seeking God. And, and it marks your life when you feel the weight of his presence. It marks your life when you see worship and praise in someone else's life. It marks your life when you experience Him. I don't know whether it was when you saw a miracle or we, you heard a testimony like um, Dan's today of someone getting saved and their hope being found in God. There's something about the weightiness of His presence that marks our life forever. And here they experience the weight of God. The glory of God. As we continue reading into Chronicles 7, so if you want to flick a few pages um, to 2 Chronicles 7, 1, we actually see another breakout of the glory of God. You ready? 2 Chronicles 7, 1. When Solomon finished praying, a bolt of lightning out of heaven struck the whole burnt offering. This is good, right? This is wild. And sacrifices and, um, sorry, the lightning of heaven struck the whole burnt offering and sacrifices and the glory of God filled the temple. I just think it's really interesting that the separation there between the the 
amazing moment of the striking of, of lightning and the glory of God filled the temple. So it was the both and, wasn't it? It was a picture of both things that were awesome happening at the same time. The glory was so dense that the priests couldn't get in. <laughs> God so filled the temple that there was no room for the priests. I'm sorry, but who's the temple now? We are, right? So who's God filling with glory to overflowing? So much to the place that there's going to be times you're just incapacitated by His presence because His weight and His beauty are capturing us. When, it, when all Israel saw the fire fall from heaven and the glory of God fill the temple, they fell on their knees. What was the response to the glory of God? They fell on their knees, right? Let's try that again. What was the response to God? Yes. And did you know that in, in, uh, in the, main, the, the main definition for worship in Scripture is proskuneo, is to bow down and to kiss the ground. Kiss the ground towards, in, in homage, in honor, and reverence for who God is. So what happened when they saw the glory of God? They bowed in awe. They bowed in awe and wonder for who God was. They bowed their heads and worshipped, thanking God, saying, Yes, God is good. His love never quits. Then the king and, and all Israel worshipped. I just, I love too, the fact that when someone has an encounter, all of Israel worships. And you, you think about Moses when he would set up the, ta- the tent of meeting outside the camp. And it says that every time he would go and meet with the Lord, there would be a pillar of cloud. And, and it says that all of Israel would, would, would stop what they're doing and worship because they saw the manifestation of the glory of God. Mate, I want, I want my, my pr- the presence of God that's on my life to be so tangible that people bow in awe of who He is. Because you know it's not just for here, right? <laughs> it's for every place we go that we carry His presence. So let's, take, let's have a think. What's on display in this moment? What is happening? The, the back story is that there was this man, David, who, who discovered on the side of some hill somewhere that when he played his harp, he experienced the reality of God's presence. And you flash through a bunch of years and he became a king of the people of Israel. And he led those people to a place where they re-embraced the ways of Moses, of worship and sacrifice, where they re-established a tent, re-established a place where they put the presence of God at the center of their town. And they said, we want to be a people after your heart. And so at this juncture of time, when, when, when David has reinstated the presence of God to the people. He says, I don't want to put my eyes to the, I don't want to put my head to a pillow until you get a place, a house of, a house of cedar, which is, I don't want to go to my house of cedar. I don't want to go to my mansion until you have a place in the earth that's glorious. And so what he did was he went about just this desire to, to create a place for the presence of God on the earth. 
And unfortunately, because he, he was a man of blood, he was a man of war, God said, I'm not going to allow you to build my house, but your son Solomon is actually going to build um, my house. And he went on. And the moment we just read about of the presence of God breaking out and the glory pouring forth was because of a man named David and, and his, the, the, his transaction with his son and their pursuit of his presence where they all as one said, we value the presence of God. We value the person of God. We want his influence in our life. We want his leadership. So we're going to build him something that's central to our lives. And so they built an extravagant house for God. They built a place of worship where day and night, it says for 33 years, the sound of praise never stopped. In fact, David loved it so much that he built his, his bedroom as close as possible so he could hear as he slept the presence and the sound of God. Isn't it beautiful? He's a man after God's own heart. And so we, we, what, what we're stepping into in this moment of glory, this moment of breakout, wasn't just a flash in a pan moment. What it was, was a lifetime of pursuit in David's life, a lifetime of pursuit in Solomon's life to build according to that which God had placed in David's heart. And through this generational honour, through the context of, of um, honouring the presence of God and honouring each other, what happened was glory broke out. And I want to encourage you, that which God wants to birth for this region, that which God wants to birth in your family, is actually going to come through a place of honour. As you honour the relationships in your life, as you honour the presence of God. What's on display in this passage is, is David is actually saying, I mean, Solomon and the people of Israel are actually saying, you are our God. We want relationship with you and we love your presence your glory and renown are important to us. We want your leadership and we are dependent on you. So this is what they're building their lives around by building a place for worship. And so the result and the response is they bow in worship. The glory breaks out in such a powerful way. That word glory means weightiness. Have you ever shut the door of a really nice car and it has that nice, heavy, weighty feeling about it? It's like, this is a nice car. Um, there's a weightiness. There's an there's a honor of His presence feels right. It, it's glorious. It's made well. <laughs> um, God's glory. And so this is derived from a word which is kabod. Everyone say kabod. Kabod, I don't know, something like that. I don't know Hebrew very well, but that word, kabod, it means properly weight uh, or splendor or copiousness. Copiousness, isn't that a good word? We should use that more often. God's glory is copious. His nature, it's His abundance. It's His splendor. It's His wonder. It's His majesty. It's His reputation. God's glory is the expression of who God is manifest in the earth. And so where His holiness is God's separateness, His, His altogether, wow, ah, He's God. That's His holiness. His glory is actually, it's Him in the here and now. And so in this moment of experiencing God in the here, of now, here and now, here on the long-awaited day, generations gather and the Lord makes His presence known in such a significant way that the natural response was worship. More than only the physical expression, which is the cloud and the lightning and the fire, which would have been mind-blowing, right? I'm just waiting for those moments where we see some of that happening. 
Um, his glory is also expressed in the weight of wonder. Everyone say that, weight of wonder. It's the weight, it's the kabod, that weightiness of God. That is just as marvelous, the weight of wonder, as the lightning. This is my daughter, Savannah. She doesn't know any um, reason why not to be here, right? <laughs> it's the weight of wonder that is just as marvelous as the lightning and the fire and the, you know what I mean? And so that's something that we can cultivate as a people, where we can, we can pursue His presence, we can pursue His heart, that we can be a people who, who, who place His value and His worth, His glory upon, uh, in, in, our, in our view. So, it, so God's glory is His nature, His abundance, His splendor, His wonder, His majesty, His dignity and power and His reputation. I think that's the significance of why praise really matters. Praise ignites us towards worship, but not only that, praise is, is the, it helps us meditate on His reputation. And His reputation is an encounter with glory. That's really the bottom line, the big idea of this message, is that as we encounter God in His reputation, which where do we find God's reputation? Anyone? In the Word of God, right? Like there's some great value there. In the Word of God, we see His reputation. We see the way He worked with people throughout the ages. But we also experience His reputation in, 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 his, in our own lives through testimonies, right? In all sorts of ways. We actually can step into those places as we, as we meditate on His reputation where we see His glory um, through seeing His reputation. It says it's Solomon. I hope I'm not going too quick. I'm just having a lot of fun. <laughs> it says it's Solomon. After this incredible moment, he says, can it be that God will actually move into our neighborhood? Why the cosmos isn't even large enough to give you breathing room, let alone this temple that I've built. <laughs> Solomon and all of Israel had seen for themselves the glory of God and worship was their natural response. So too, our response to the magnificence of God awakens our hearts to worship. It's upon having our eyes open to His glory that we, like all Israel did, bow low. We kiss the ground. We say, God, You are magnificent. You are worthy. You're worthy of my life. You're worthy of my attention. You're worthy of all my hopes. You're worthy of my dreams. You are worthy of my love. You're worthy of my giftings. You're worthy of my time. <laughs> this is worship. Worship isn't an, a religious activity that we do on a Sunday when we sing a few songs. Worship is a response in reverence and honor to who He is. And yeah, songs can be helpful. It helps me. But you know what? It is a posture of our heart that we learn. And sometimes it's actually, to be honest, it's costly. It requires my attention be shifted towards his reputation over everything else happening in my world. So, <laughs> William Temple, I don't even know who he is. I'm pretty sure he was an important Christian figure at some point. 
He says, to worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God. To feed the mind with the truth of God. To purge the imagination by the beauty of God. To open the heart to the love of God. And to devote the will to the purposes of God. I'm going to read it again. You capture one thought that you like. To worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God. To feed the mind with the truth of God. To purge the imagination by the beauty of God. To open the heart to the love of God. And to devote the will to the purpose of God. Isn't that good? It's a whole lifetime of investment there that in order to have a rich worship life, as much as I want that new guitar, that... That won't feed my conscience with the goodness of God unless I just learn how to worship it. Like that blackwood, that blackwood. Lord, you did a great job building that blackwood and growing that tree and all oh, those electricians who learned how to make stuff. It's great. Anyway. So I'm going to finish with this idea of where are your eyes fixed at the moment? And it's interesting that eyes were a significant part of this year for you guys, right? So what was the theme that you were seeing? Seeing through his eyes. Where are your eyes fixed? Who does the Lord want to be for you? If you're struggling to find a way to fix your eyes on God... Start with Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is the glory of God, expressed perfectly. He is the ignition for our worship. It says in John 1.14 that the word became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like Father, like Son, generous inside and out, true from the start to finish. If your worship is getting dry and it feels pointless, I want to encourage you to take a good look at him. Take a good look at Jesus. Ask the Lord to give you fresh eyes to see him. Mike Bickle um, prays this prayer. That's just, Lord, would you um, awaken love in my heart for you? That actually takes God to love God. <laughs> it's his breath breathing on our hearts that actually help us... To respond. It's without, it's without his breath in our lungs, we can't respond back our praise to him. To study his life, his nature, his ways, his dignity and his reputation. David is another guy that um, he learned how to posture himself well. It says that... Um, in Psalm 16, 8, David says, I have set the Lord always before me. Everyone say that. I have set the Lord always before me. There's, there's a purposeful pursuit right here. I have set the Lord always before me. So when I look at my budget for the month, I've set the Lord always before me. When, I, when, I, when I'm thinking about a situation that I'm stressed about, I've set the Lord always before me. We're fixing our eyes. I've set the Lord always before me because he is my, at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. 
Psalm 27 verse 4. One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David knew the art of sitting and beholding the Lord, of pursuing him purely because he loved him. That changes everything. We start to see from his perspective when our eyes are lifted. Psalm 63. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary. What was he doing? I have looked upon you in the sanctuary. David knew a life of pursuit where he lifted his eyes. He said, I have looked upon you. There's purposeful intent here. I have looked upon you. So often when we pray, we look at ourselves and we say, have, have I got enough that you would smile at me or have that you would grant my wish? Whereas our posture of, of prayer should be more about him where we lift our eyes. We say, you are enough for me. What you did on the cross is my strength. I have looked upon you in the sanctuary. So we, we shift our eyes focus from self to a place of who he is. I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. No wonder he was a worshiper. No wonder in the New Testament he's remembered, remembered as a man after God's own heart. Because I have looked upon you in the sanctuary. I'm going to finish this with the last idea. Do you guys want to come up? We're going to finish with a, a little worship. to stand up just let's open our hearts up into this posture of connection thank you jesus anyone enjoy reading the passion translation yeah, yeah a few people in it um there's a phrase that so often uh, brian simmons chooses to use and that's about being entwined with the Lord. So we find in David's writing a beautiful concept of waiting upon God, not as something passive, but actually it's an entwining of our hearts with him and his purposes. So sometimes you may not see it. I want to <laughs> encourage you. It's okay not to feel it. It's okay not to see it. It's okay to be more worried and full of all the things in your world. But there's an exchange that happens as we wait upon the Lord, that He renews our strength. And so, our role, our purpose, actually becomes less about what we can do for God in trying to sing His praises. Our purpose becomes to sit and wait and remember to look upon the Lord and wait for hope to come, wait for joy to come, because I want to say that He is a Lord who is faithful. We've heard that time and time together tonight, this morning in all sorts of ways. That we, in the place of waiting, our hearts are entwined. This word entwine actually means to tie together or twist, twisting or to entwine, to t wrap tightly. So my, my friend Tom is going to 
sing a song now called Nothing Else. And this song is just really all about coming simply and making it all about Jesus again. Entwining our hearts with Him. So Lord, in this moment, we just want to give you all of our love and our attention. We come to simply wait with you, Lord.
So we thank you, Lord, for the revelation of our hearts encountering you, Lord, freshly. That the weight of wonder of all that you are fill our hearts, Lord. Lord, do what only you can do. We welcome the flashes of lightning. We welcome, Lord God, the breakout of your presence in our lives. We welcome your glory like a cloud pouring in. But we also, Lord, want to be a people who pursue your presence with diligence. Remembering the Lord, just like David prayed and said that I've put the Lord always before you. Lord, may you be the one that our attention is placed upon, Lord. That nothing else will capture our hearts, our attention, like you, Lord. Let there be nothing else, Lord. Just linger in that moment. So we just want to step into a prophetic space now where maybe the team might have something to share for people or a song to sing over people. And um, You guys want to go just a little bit longer? Yeah? Cool. As you, as you speak words and um, as you testify and as you speak, um, speak truths and, and the promises over your life and remember the promises that God has for you, the living water will just start to flow and it will be an uncontainable momentum that just builds as, as you speak the words that, that you've had promised over your life and that, that, well, is, that's just, well is just springing, springing to life from, from this place and it's reaching um, places around this and it's reaching Melbourne and it's, it's going further than just um, this place right here. It's, it's impacting communities are beyond this community and so I just encourage you to, to speak the promises and, and to testify um, the truths about, about who God is and, and where he's called you now. That's good. It's just like John 7, 37, Jesus said, the only qualifier was, if you believe, there's going to be a river of living water pouring out of your life. So if you want that fresh living water, Tom's just going to release it and pray it over each of us now. So let's open up wide. Thank you, Lord, that you are a flowing river of living water, Lord, and you satisfy our hearts. So we just prophesy that over this place right now, that, that you are emerging um, more than ever before through the, through the words that have been spoken over this place and over this house and over each individual, that your living water is flowing right now and will continue to, um, to grow into an uncontainable river. So we thank you, Lord, and we, we speak that into, into being, Lord, and thank you for it. You are so good, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I believe that. Anyone else? Andrew, is your wife's name Mel? Yeah. Um, I saw a picture. Oh, I had a word for you earlier, Mel, about I felt like you had this anointing on you. Um, 
like a, a queen anointing and uh, like you carry royalty and you release royalty wherever you go and um, I feel like in this season um, as the queen you can ask for what you want and it'll be given to you and I just I really felt on my heart like ask and it'll be given to you knock knock and the door will be open to you and ask and you shall receive and just release that over you that dreams that you have that visions that you have for for this house for your family for your job for everything that you do I just I feel like they're going to come to being and that you you have permission to just ask I mean we always have permission to just ask but at the moment I just I really can feel that there is an anointing over your life to to press deeper and to ask for bigger things to ask for more and you will see them come to being and we just release that over you Mel and over your family and over your boys and we release that over your friendships and over your um, your wider family as well and over your community that that um, you have the favor of the Lord you have the kiss of heaven on your life and he just wants to release gold and treasure over you over and over again and um, sometimes we feel like a blessing runs out but his blessings never run out that he's a good father and he will give over and over and over and over again and again so we just bless you we bless your life in Jesus name Even as Mary hid things in her heart, there's some things that you've hidden in your heart. And I just feel like the Lord is saying, don't forget to keep asking for the things that are in your heart. Because his heart is, it's like it says in Proverbs, that um, desire realizes a tree of life. He is establishing a tree of life in your heart where desires will be realized. And where desires actually haven't been realized, it's been like, death on the inside the Lord says it's time for life to come forth it's time for hope to come forth it's time to ask because he's a good father and he loves giving good gifts to his children thank you Jesus thank you Jesus so good so good I just uh, saw this house as a house of peace I just felt like you guys here just have a real stronghold over anxiety and mental health. Um, I don't know if anyone, this is so weird. Sorry, stairway gets weird. <laughs> um, I don't know if anyone had a panic attack yesterday specifically, and you don't have to let me know. That's personal. I've always been having panic attacks. Um, I only say this because I had one out of the blue yesterday, so I think it's related. Um, I just feel like God wants to say that he sees you and he knows you and he meets you wherever you're at. And those here who are going through um, low periods or hard times or where you're just stuck in your head or stuck in your anxiety, stuck in your ways of thought, God just wants to meet you where you're at and bring you out of it. But he's not gonna force you, he's not gonna kick you up the butt, he's not gonna tell you what you've been doing wrong. He's gonna gently love you out of it. And the word for you in this season isn't to fight but to rest. You need to... <laughs> There's times for fighting and there's times for resting. I feel like for some of you, yes, you're in that fighting period, but for some of you, you need to put down your swords. You need to stop fighting, stop wrestling with God. David, no, Jacob wrestled with God, but then he stopped. You know, there is a time for that. 
This is a time to let it go and to just let God speak over you and heal your heart. I just see God bringing people here into deeper healing. And like, I mean trauma that you forgot you've even had. He's gonna take you back and you can't be scared. You need to let it happen. <laughs> but again, He's gonna love you out of it. He's not gonna, he's not gonna yell at you. You're not in trouble. You haven't done the wrong thing. He's just saying, I'm here and I love you and I'm here for you no matter what. So God, we just thank you so much that you are so good and you love us where we're at. You love us in the highs, you love us in the lows. You love us in the in-between where we don't even know where we're at, God. I thank you that wherever we're at, you are still good. You never stop. You still have peace for us. You still have grace for us. You still have joy for us, God. I see some of you dancing on your depression. You're dancing on your anxiety naked. No ashamed. (laughs) I just thank you that this house will just dance on anxiety. Dance on depression. Dance on this community that feels oppression. Dance on droughts. Dance on long history that keeps repeating itself. Dance on abuse. You just dance all over it. You just love us. You want to see us free. And I just thank you that this church has a key to see that freedom, God. So we just thank you, Jesus, for this house, for the calling. We thank you that you have such an immense love for this building, for these people, God. It's so strong. We love you, Jesus. So good. expect things to shift if that, if that was you just this week's a new week for you there's fresh freshness the Lord's bringing anyone else have anything? <laughs> no pressure to this relationship. 
and it goes beyond here and now, it goes beyond what is to come in our earthly lives and its fullness and richness. And there's peace in the lows and there's joy beyond comprehension in the highs. And he just wants you to know that he's there with you, whatever end of the spectrum you're at. He hasn't forsaken you, he doesn't leave you behind. When things get tough, he's right there with you. I feel like there's a moment right now where he's just standing in front of you with his arms forward just saying, over you right now, contentment in your heart, hope to believe for what is coming next, to stand firm on his promises that they are good because he is good and he doesn't leave things halfway done. Maybe you've seen some progress in your life, something that you've been hoping for, wanting to um, believe fully to come and it hasn't quite eventuated. I declare a season of fulfillment of the promises that um, are feeling half-baked in your heart, that they will just be delivered to you. In the Bible, um, it talks about how even wicked men know how to give their kids good gifts and how much greater is God that he would give us the, the best of things so let's believe together for each other supporting each other that those gifts that God is going to give that fulfillment of your hopes and your desires and the promises that um, have been spoken out in your life that we celebrate together We bless you from Stairway. We bless you with what's been passed on to us. We bless you. It's just a huge sense of the Father's love for you right now. Just arms around this whole church. We thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. We love you, Father. Amen. 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 Wherever you are right now, why don't you just place your hand on the person next to you. If you don't know them, just maybe place it where they won't be uncomfortable. <laughs> and let's just pray, yeah? Let's pray an impartation of all that has been spoken today, all that has been declared, all that has been shared. Let us all step into a place where we can actually bring praise to our God. That no matter what we're facing, rather than just speaking to it, yeah, we can declare His goodness and praise His name and refocus and realign, as Jared has said, back on Him because it changes our vocabulary. It shifts the authority in the atmosphere, amen. So Father, with every person that's in the house, 
Lord, Lord, the team, God, Father, every every guest, every visitor, Father, every person that's been here forever, Lord, each and every one of us, Lord, there are situations and circumstances at times in our lives where it's just hard to praise. But Lord, from this day on, Lord, we draw a line in the sand and we say, we're not going back there. We're going to focus on you. When those difficult times come, when the trials come, when the tribulations that we're faced with, we're just going to turn our attention on you. And Father, we're going to see with your eyes. Father, we're going to be like David and we're going to rest and sit in your presence until things shift. I thank you that we might walk into a situation that looks hopeless, but Father, we're going to walk out full of hope, victorious in you. So we thank you, Lord, that sometimes we just need a reminder. Father, sometimes we need to be told. And I thank you that you're a God that reminds us, that tells us, that loves us, that guides us, that walks with us. Father, from today on, we will be a different people, a people of praise, that we will enter, his, Lord, his, his gates and His courts with thanksgiving and praise always. Everybody said? Everybody said?